Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hey there, listener. Thanks for stopping by. Before we get the podcast started today, I just wanted to tell you about my Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and donating some money, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. And there's three separate tiers there where you can get exclusive content, ad-free content, and you can even suggest questions for me to ask future guests on the podcast. So guys, make sure to check out my Patreon. Also, make sure to share this podcast on your social media accounts, link it to Spotify, review it on Apple. I would very much appreciate that. So thanks, guys, and enjoy the episode. All right, cool. All right. Hello, and welcome to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. And like I say on every episode, every guest is special. But today, we have extra special because we have two guests for the first time on the podcast uh greg and tommy they own vintage cigar uh lounge in southern rhode island so if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves um whoever wants to go first can go first sure i'll go first looks like uh, greg's busy lighting up a cigar ah. so uh my name's uh, tommy clune and uh my name's tommy when i'm at the shop because everybody knows me as tommy outside it's usually tom okay um but that's good. So I'm one of the owners of Vintage Cigar Lounge, and my partner, Greg. Oh, that's my cue? That's your cue. Uh, Greg Williams, <laughs> um, also one of the owners here of Vintage Cigar Lounge. We have uh, two locations, one in Westerly, Rhode Island at 47 High Street, and then another one in Charlestown at 1 Charlestown Beach Road. Pretty sweet. Um, and you guys are both from... Rhode Island, right? I don't know if you want to give your backstory, sort of, you know. Yeah, where we you're from we both grew up in South Kingstown. Okay. And had um, careers outside of the state, and then decided to move back. Okay. Uh, we also have a third partner, uh, Jesse Saglio. He did the same thing. He left Rhode Island and then came back. And as we grew older, I definitely missed Rhode Island, so that's kind of why I came back. Okay. Cool. I don't and know why I. Came. Why do you say that? <laughs> we won't go. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, you know, Tommy leaves out one of the uh, interesting facts is we actually all went to high school together, too. Okay. Very we all cool. Went to South Kingstown High School. Uh, Tommy was a couple of years younger than Jesse and I. And then the, the other interesting fact is Tommy. I've known Tommy since he was little, little, a little tadpole. Yep. Uh, he actually grew up behind my grandmother's house. So we literally have known each other since childhood. Wow, that's uh, pretty awesome. The famous story is I guess I wouldn't push him in the swings at the local playground. <laughs> and he just would sit there and scream. And True story. My feet would be dangling. Nobody would push me. <laughs> I tried to teach him that, you know, you can kick, you can get your own momentum and yeah. go back and forth. To this day, he still can't do that, actually. No. So. It's, it's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys do before you started uh, Vintage? 
Yeah, so I initially, three days after high school, I started Johnson & Wales University as a culinary arts student in the advanced standing program. And then I was a chef for a while. I worked at the Grand Floridian at Disney World and some local restaurants. And then I got Lyme disease, which kind of kicked me out of the kitchen and I couldn't really do much. So I had to get like a professional job, I guess. So I worked in finance in Boston um, in the, the training area for a long time. So probably about 20 years in corporate uh, learning development. And I'm actually still doing that now. Cool. And what about you, Greg? Um, so prior to the cigar world, I was in uh, law enforcement. So, you know, from high school, I was in the military for a little bit. And then uh, started a career in law enforcement. Once I retired from that world, um, just decided to give the cigar world a shot. Seemed like a pretty fun industry. So mm -hmm. um, decided to take a crack at working for them for myself um i'm glad we did yeah so that actually brings me into you know my next questions is what when did you guys really know that you wanted to have your own business was it something that you knew when you were in high school and you guys knew each other or was it something you just thought of after you all were established in your careers well i think it was i think something i brought to the forefront um because i think i was the first one looking for the next career um i had retired and needed to do something else and wasn't really sure what else i wanted to do but i really enjoyed cigars uh you know i was just a casual cigar smoker at the time um but i realized that i was driving 45 minutes to an hour to go to a cigar lounge and you know, in Rhode Island, you shouldn't have to drive 45 minutes to an hour to get to anything. <laughs> no. Um, you know, you're in Massachusetts at that point. Yep. So it was just bizarre that there was nothing closer by. And I think that's what started the ball rolling in my head. And then I, I ran into Tommy at a cigar shop um, in Narragansett. Oof, we're going back seven or eight years now. Yeah, easy. Yeah, maybe even eight or nine. And I hadn't seen Tommy since high school. So, you know, it'd been 25 years almost since I'd seen him. Wow. And, um, you know, he looks the same. This is how he actually looked when he was yep. still in the Same swing. big ears and everything. That's yep. so how yep. he looked when he was in that <laughs> swing set by my grandmother's house. And, um, you know, I mentioned to him, I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about maybe opening a cigar lounge someday. And. Um, and he said, well, if you do, give me a call. Um, and, you know, as it progressed, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead on anything you got there. But as it progressed um, and it looked like it could happen, I, I quickly realized that we had nowhere near enough knowledge of cigars and we needed a quote unquote expert. OK. Um, and that's what Tommy is to this business. OK, very cool. So that actually brings me into my next question is uh so you guys are partners a lot of people um when they start their own business don't like having partners they want to have it 100 percent to themselves good luck yeah. yeah so what so what is the advantage to having a partner or or two partners in this case yeah i you think i think in, 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 this business for sure there's no way one person can can do it or do it right 
Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot. A lot of people get into business because they're really good at something or they have a passion for something. And then they don't realize what it takes to run a business. The bookkeeping, the hiring, the firing, the keeping the lights on, the fixing the light bulbs has absolutely nothing to do with what your passion was that made you start that business. Right. And um, with Greg, Jesse and I, we all have different skill sets and we know that. Like, I'm not going to be on a ladder fixing a light bulb. And they know that. <laughs> Tommy won't actually step on the first rung of a ladder. Yeah, but I don't, pretty, I don't do. It's pretty funny. He doesn't do ladders at all. I don't, not even rung one. Yep. <laughs> and, like, Greg and I, we don't want anything to do with the accounting and the taxes and the bookkeeping. And that's yeah. what Jesse does. So we're we're like a that three-tiered stool that we each do different things. And we all stay in our own lane, which is really nice. Yeah, it's, that's really good because i've i've read this book called the e-myth um that talked about starting your own business and a lot of times they have people that are passionate about something in your case it's cigars mm-hmm. and then they go to actually run the business and sometimes it becomes successful and they don't know what to do with that success mm-hmm. and a lot of times businesses go under not because there's a lack of business it's because it's poorly managed mm-hmm. and they just sure your passion for your passion for something has, I hate to say it, but it has zero to do with business. Mm-hmm. Business is something completely di- different. You know, business yeah. is business, and it doesn't matter if it's cigars or, uh, you know, you own a florist or, you know, you run a landscape company. Mm-hmm. You, you could be passionate about growing roses and clipping them just right and this and that and arrangements. It has zero to do with actually being able to have a business. Uh, yeah. You know. So when you guys first started Vintage, what did, what was the the biggest hurdle? What was the the thing that was the hardest to overcome oh, well, when that's you all, first that's, started? That's simple. That's always simple. It's regulations. You know? Yeah. It's, it's the uh, it's the building codes. It's the town ordinances. Uh, it's the regulatory part of the business. That's just. And especially for someone, uh, you know, for the three of us coming into a business for the first time, um, not that you don't know those things exist. Clearly, you know, we, we did. But to the extent, uh, that, you know, the hoops you have to jump through, um, it's pretty difficult. Pretty, pretty difficult. Yeah. I mean, because that's probably the most recurring thing I've heard, especially from one of my past guests, Joe Feely, who said uh, he's, you know, he works at the Southern Rhode Island Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. He says that's the biggest complaint he gets is, is regulations. Now, let's, let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> Joe doesn't work at the South County Chamber or, of Commerce. Yeah. Joe was the owner and operator of Liberty Rentals. Liberty Rentals, Rentals yeah. Ever, I don't want to make Joe sound super, super old, but I, I do he know started very young. Yeah. I know how old Joe is, so... Um, he was on the podcast. He was my last yeah, Joe, interview. Yeah, Joe's a great man, and he was great for the town of South Kingstown. Yeah. Um, I've known Joe since I was probably about six. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard one bad thing about that no, guy. Great, great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Amazing. Um, so we're going back to the beginning again. Um, other than regulations, what is the you know most important thing that you guys had to focus on to really get off the ground and running? And, and find success in this sort of industry? I, I think a lot of it had to do with the location mm-hmm. um, of the business because we're not just selling, we'll keep that roses 
<laughs> business model going. You know, we're not we're not selling roses. We're not opening up a flower shop. You know, we're opening up a bar, which mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of regulation a, a around lounge, it. Thomas. A, a lounge, Thomas. A lounge. A lounge. Which we have a beautiful, two beautiful bars. But we're also, you know, introducing cigar smoking. And mm-hmm. everybody knows you can't smoke indoors. People still think that even with a cigar lounge. So that was a... That was always a hurdle for us was educating people, especially when you go in front of a zoning board or a town council, sure. um, really just educating them of what we are. You know, we're not a bunch of drunks just sitting around drinking, smoking, you know, yeah. this, this is a, this is a, like a really legit business. Um, we've built it up to a highly respected in the country, not just Rhode Island. Um, and I, I think that was a big hurdle for us to get through. Yeah, I mean, so in in terms of, you know, when you started, I think that there are three main things that, you know, you should focus on as a business owner. It's marketing, your capabilities, and money management. And which of those three do you think is the most important thing to focus on for somebody starting their own business of those three items? Well, you can scratch your last one out, uh, money money management because there's probably no money. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? You, you probably don't have to worry about money for quite a while um, because you probably spent it all yeah. starting the business and you probably have very little coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say marketing, um, especially today's day and age. Everything's changed. Everything's different. Um, you know, marketing today is not marketing five years ago. Yeah. Definitely not marketing 10 years ago. Um, you know, you get into the business and you, you think, all right, do well, do we take out a newspaper ad? Um, do we do an, a, a spot on the radio? And, and those things, it's all changing. It's yeah. ever changing daily. Um, so, you know, there's no more, you know, you got to really think what, what's, what's this newspaper ad? Where's this going to reach? Is that worthwhile? Um, you know, and for some people it still is, but obviously today it's really not for most people. It's not relevant. You know, so it's all social media driven. Um, so the marketing's the, I'd say, the key thing. Um, you got to get bodies in the door. Okay. Bodies in the door. And the other two things will come if you have bodies in the door. If you don't put bodies in the door, then you don't have to worry about money management. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no money coming no in. Money, yep. and, you know, it's all about bodies. And, you know, that's, that's for retail locations like we have. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously... Uh, if you are in some sort of online sales, then obviously you got to push bodies to your site. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the same thing. It's all about putting people uh, in front of you, whether it's online or it's in a store. Yeah, I mean, so you don't think that you know having the capability before the marketing or like because if your marketing works. You know what I mean? So, like, for my company, I needed the machines. You know, I sure. can't start marketing that I can do all of this and not be able to do it. Right. If you, well, if you sometimes people me. do take that risk. Um, and I know exactly what you're saying. You know, it's a scale thing. Um, you know, do I do I take that order? Do I take that 3,000-piece order when I know I can't fill it? Mm-hmm. But I can't fill it. I can't work on it unless I get the order and get and get some of that money coming. So exactly. it's it's a you know it's a double edged sword. You know yeah. you can't you can't go buy the machine until that order comes in and you can't make it until you have it. So again, I'd still say it's having that 
marketing to have somebody in front of you that wants to do business with you. Mm -hmm. We could build um, the most beautiful place in the world and very capable of selling booze and selling cigars. And, you know, here it is. It's luxurious. But if there's nobody at your door, yeah, um, capabilities don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I think initially, definitely starting off for us, it was um, kind of promoting the experience of what the cigar lounge would be. Yeah. Um, because we, we did a lot of promo before we even got our liquor license, you know, saying, hey, this is what we're trying to do and really kept people involved in the the prog the progress of the project, um, you know, showing pictures of what this is where the humidor is going to be. This is the bar that we just got. Um, so then when it's finally time to open up, you know, you got at least got a handful of people who are like, hey, I remember you guys were talking about this six months ago and now you're here. Yeah. So I think it's a big piece. So in terms of marketing, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Um, do you think social media or word of mouth is uh, better? Which of those two do you think is the more powerful form of marketing? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a combination of yeah. two because you're, you're hitting different different markets. Um, we're, we're in a tourist community in both of our locations, so mm. we got people from all over. So social media is huge to be able to, somebody comes on vacation, they type in cigar to be on that first page when they're in Google, um, to pop up to the map to one of our locations, you know, yeah. that's, that's the key, key pieces to get those people in the door. Um, word of mouth is that happens with the experience that the people get when they come to vintage. Mm -hmm. So we treat everybody the same when they come in. Um, everybody's very friendly. Um, we, that was the model that we wanted. We wanted people to come in and not feel awkward when they're in place. If it's a, a guy or a girl coming in with a cigar, whatever the case is, they're coming in alone. We wanted to make sure that they're going to have that great experience. And that experience is what really does that grassroots marketing for you. Mm -hmm. So um, do you think that, I mean, you ask anybody that's been in business for a long time, especially with a retail location, they would say the most important thing in business is location, location, location. Do you think that that is still relevant for this sort of business? Uh, or has social media sort of gotten rid of that since you could just market nah, it's online? Still, it's still 100% relevant. Um, for, you know, unless you're a destination that people are going to drive to you no matter what your location is, they need your product, um, you know, if you're, if you're in a, a beach resort area and you're the only person in that town that sells suntan lotion or sunblock mm -hmm. or aloe vera for the people who forgot to put on the sunblock, people are going <laughs> to drive to you. They have to come see you. Yeah. But if you're not that necessity, then it, it is still location, location, location. Um, you know, people need food. People need water. So, you know, the grocery store doesn't matter if it's on the main road or the side road. People are going to come. Um, but you know, it's still location, 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 um, for, for businesses like ours, um, still probably one of the most important pieces of a business I'd say. Yeah. Especially for our Westerly location where we're right downtown Westerly, lots of other bars and restaurants. We get people walking by then they just stop. They're like, Oh my God, I'm going to go in. And so I think it's a really big key, key piece to it. Yeah. Um, uh, and in terms of like Facebook ads, Google ads, anything like that, 
I know it's different for every single business, but do you guys uh, invest in that sort of marketing at all? We, we would absolutely love to, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we can't with uh, tobacco sales. Oh, really? Yeah, so we can't be like, hey, come down to Vindex. We're already marked or banned just because of the name of our page is Vintage Cigar Lounge, our business name. Really? So we can't do any um, social media. Then they me- look at our media. faces on, the, on the, the ads themselves, and they definitely, <laughs> definitely don't want that. Banned. Wow. Yeah. So with uh, Facebook and all the social medias, the Twitter, Instagram, uh, Google, uh, you're unable to promote tobacco. You can't um, even do the bar? Like, can you? could you promote the bar part of the business? No, because our name is Vintage Cigar Lounge, yeah. and they already automatically right. block it. So we have a strong social media presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we can't boost. Yeah. You can't boost. You can't promote. You can't do any of it. So it's just the presence, which we're very happy with. We do yeah. we do a great job with our social media. And yeah. We have a large presence. Um, but that's all unboosted. Yeah. So I did notice that. I was doing some research before the interview, and I did see that, especially on Facebook, you yeah. guys are very active. Yeah. Um, and I think in this day and age, people appreciate transparency in companies. You see a lot of companies, especially in my industry, that are all about business. You know, like they, they're not fun. They're not exciting. They just make prototypes and want to get paid. Um, and I feel like when, when people go onto your website and they see your face or they go onto your Facebook page and they see an employee talking passionately about where they work, uh, I think that goes a long way for a lot of people uh, just because it's – if you can get to know somebody before you meet them in person, I feel like that helps out a sure, lot yeah. in business. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, I think we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back after this message. What is up? It's me again, but this is not the regular podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my own company, Custom 3D, 3D Printing Services. Custom 3D offers a wide range of 3D printing services from rapid prototyping to actually promotional items. If you're looking to bring your company to the next cool techie level with some cool promotional items, Custom 3D is a perfect place for you. Also, if you have the next big idea, Custom 3D can help you out. I have helped out several people in creating their dreams and they have actually seen investors and have been offered money from the products that I have designed for them. And uh, I do a great job, I have a great company, and I highly recommend you check out custom3dllc.com. Thanks for listening to me, guys, and enjoy the rest of Knowledge is Power. All right. We won't. (laughs) And we're back. And apparently, Greg has some great Tommy stories. Uh, That's quoting. So, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're going to move off the business a little bit, I guess. Or you can talk about how some of your life experiences have uh, uh, impacted how you guys run your business or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I can't really dive into it. It's not fair to Tommy to dive into the, <laughs> his personal stories. But. <laughs> I do have a funny story. Right, uh, yes, ahead. Yesterday, everybody maybe can relate to this, but uh, I was driving down the road yesterday bringing my son back home from school. And I felt something in the back of my neck, and I thought he was throwing something at me because he usually does that when I'm in the car. I, I wiped the back of my head, and I'm like, Zach, stop throwing stuff. He's like, I'm not throwing anything, Dad. And I go, and then, ah, I, a bee landed on the back of my neck, flew down my shirt, and stung me. 
as I'm driving the car. Oh, my God. And I thought it was my son throwing stuff at me, but I was okay. Pulled into Sunset Farms, ripped off my clothes like a idiot. and got I, I would have I died because I'm <laughs> extremely allergic. So most people that know Tommy would not be shocked by this story at all because if there's something strange or bizarre that can happen, it happens to Tommy. Yep. Oh, that's geez. true. All the time. That, that story is just... That's not even story worthy in, in Tommy world. I mean, that's just the normal everyday life. Yep, of stuff Tom, just happens. Tom I have Clue. really good luck. Right. right. Um, yeah, so I actually do have another business question sure. for you. So when it comes to hiring employees, you hear a, a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> what do you think is the most important quality in hiring an employee? And what what sort of thing is you feel like you have to offer now because you can't find anybody to work because no nope. I, I don't know we I, I let me know the responses to this on the podcast because if somebody's got any ideas on how to hire employees right now we're, we're willing to listen because there's nothing there's nobody yeah uh, I hate to say it. I just hate to sound doom and gloom but yeah there's nothing there's nobody yeah, walking tough. through the door uh, we've had We've had ads up for months and months on end. Um, we, we've had people come in. Um, now people that are actively looking for a job now have the pick of wherever they want to go. Yeah. So we've had people that come through the door and are extremely qualified. And uh, we'll tell them, you're hired on the spot. And they'll say, well, I, I do have some other interviews lined up tomorrow. And then I'm going to make a decision through the weekend and I'll let you know on Monday. <laughs> and that's happened more than once. And wow. you just go, what just happened? Um, come back and they get up and say, thank you. I'll let you know. And they walk out the door and as they're leaving, you go, wait, wait, what, what I, it, I need you, you know? And they, so it's completely changed. The, the hiring world right now is flipped upside down. Um, as far as qualities, you know, for employees, obviously, in this industry, um, the person has, has to be honest. They mm -hmm. have to be honest. Um, and they have to have some drive. You know, we, we've, we've prided ourselves on hiring people with no experience. Um, we don't mind training people. We don't mind um, someone coming in and having maybe a little bit of baggage from the past experiences, whether it was in, you know, their personal life or the, the job world. Um, we're not afraid to give somebody a second chance. Um, but they have to have the drive and they have to be an honest person. Yeah. Uh, you know, we will work with people. We'll, we'll train them the way we need them to be um, trained as an employee. Am I missing anything, Tom? Yeah, I think um, just, just in general, I think key quality is somebody who's willing to always learn mm. is because we're ever changing you know if you look at our bar here you might think that's big but that's a small selection compared to what we have in westerly you know we yeah. got 200 different bottles on the shelf i and, have walked past that store it's quite the spectacle 300 cigars in the humidor and you know you got to learn all that but you also got to learn how to deal with people but we we train people and but we can see right away if they're not into it right yeah yeah that, that shows up that's very evident probably within the first week, whether somebody has the drive to be there and, um, you know, if they're just showing up for a paycheck and just going to ride it out for as long as they can until mm -hmm. they're pushed out the door. 
um, or if they're really interested in working there and learning the industry and it's because it, it's a fun industry it's it's a lot different than the restaurant industry because we don't do food yeah so and there's a lot of crossover we do get a lot of people that worked in the restaurant industry or the bar industry and then they come over to the cigar lounge industry and they go wow they didn't realize what a difference the work would be and tommy's blowing his smoke directly in my eye every <laughs> single time so they'll come over to us and they realize they're not running cold french fries back to the kitchen every mm-hmm. 20 minutes mm-hmm. you know they're not listening to complaints uh about their soups cold uh it's a different industry uh if i had to relate it to an industry more uh, something that it's more like it's probably more like um being a hairdresser you okay. know because you sit mm-hmm. in that chair and you want to dis- you know you want to talk and you want someone to listen and that's more of a cigar lounge employee's job where I, I'd compare more to a hairdresser than I would a waiter or waitress. It's yep. that socialization. It's that social aspect that is much more of that in the cigar lounge industry yeah. um, than there is in the restaurant. You know, the restaurants turn and burn. Oh, turn yeah. those tables, turn those tables, turn those tables. We don't want that. We want someone to come in. We want them to sit in the chair and as you can probably tell by now, these chairs are extremely oh my God. comfortable. Well, that's what I said to Tommy when I got yeah. here. I said, these things are amazing. There's a, re- there's a reason they're called the dream seat. That is yeah. the name of them. Um, and so we don't want to turn that over. We want it. We want you to stay in that seat. We don't want you to get out. Mm-hmm. We want you to, we will bring you your next drink at your seat. We'll bring you your next cigar at your seat. You know, we, we want you to converse with other patrons and, and the employees, it's it's a much different industry um, yeah. than the restaurant. And like I said, it's almost more like being a hairdresser than it is uh, yeah. being a waiter or a waitress. You know, it's about having that connection with the person and talking and having a good time. Yeah, really focusing on their experience, uh, make them king or queen for the day. You know, that's why they, people come here is to relax. They don't mm-hmm. come here because they're thirsty or they need a cigar or they're hungry. They're coming here to relax and hang out and. Some people like to talk, some people don't, and whatever it is, we're there to help them. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's not always people come in to socialize. There's, there's times when people come in, and you know you can tell pretty quickly when they come through the door um, within their first 10 or 15 minutes in the shop what they're there for. You know, There's some people that are looking to tuck themselves away in a corner and dive into a book and just be left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other people that are literally looking for somewhere to sit where they can be closer to other patrons, whether they know them or not, Yeah, to start conversing with. Yeah. So you find that people sometimes just come in and don't even smoke or drink and they just talk? Um, you know, it, that's rare. Yeah. But the talking is a big part of it. it yeah. It, it's a large portion. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I have noticed with our industry, um, which was surprising is the amount of non-drinkers, as as in alcohol. The amount of non-drinkers we have um, in our industry is huge because I think they find comfort. There's, it's not a high, it's not a high pressure environment to drink. So we have a lot of non-drinkers, especially during the day. We have a lot of water, a lot of coffee, a lot of soda drinkers. And these are guys, these are people, men and women that are non-drinkers. It's not just, well, it's daytime, I'm not gonna drink. They're non-drinkers, mm-hmm. but they feel comfortable in a cigar lounge because it's not a high-pressure environment. 
no one's pushing a drink on him, pushing a drink on him, pushing a drink on him. Yeah. So they found an outlet to come sit. Some, most of them are cigar smokers, but some aren't. Some will just come in and they'll come in for the conversation, have a cup of coffee, and it's not that environment. Very difficult sometimes to walk into a bar as a non-drinker and want to sit at the bar, take up a bar stool. Um, you know, yeah. there's a lot of pressure there that oh, well, you should be drinking, you should be ordering food, you should be doing something. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice. It, there's more non-drinkers than I ever expected there would be. Yep. Yeah, wow. I totally agree. It's a, And it's nice, too, because people just like to get out of the house, come and hang out. And, um, you know, we're not lining sh- shots up on the bar on a Friday night. It's mm-hmm. um, it's usually a low-key environment. People just like to hang out. It's a safe place for everybody. Yeah, and their money's green also. No, mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing. Let's get back to that. That's that's the most important thing. Is their money's just as green as the the per, other next, you know, the, the drinker's money. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, green yep. is green. Yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting stuff because you almost feel like that not only is this a place to drink and smoke, it's a great place to just converse and get to know people, sure. make friends, sometimes lifelong friends. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a value that you can't get out of other businesses. That's that's really undervalued i think yeah. uh you know because just coming and talking and just getting things off your mind you know is goes a long ways that people don't really i think they they understand it when they do it but they don't really understand it until they do do it sure. yeah exactly. so if, if you follow what i mean so cigar lounges is you know a strange phenomenon and a little bit in a, in a strange way is we we have people that will come in and they'll they'll literally negotiate multi-million dollar deals over a scotch and a cigar. <laughs> we also have gentlemen that will come in on Sunday evenings and discuss what was talked about at the sermon in church that morning. <laughs> I mean, there's both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Literally both sides. Um, and literally every Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, uh, there's a few gentlemen and, and the priest that gave the sermon will come in that's and awesome. over a cigar, they will discuss that morning's sermon. Yep. Is it a sermon? Is that what it's called? I'm not a big church guy. But I think it's it a sermon. Depends. It depends on oh, religion. Yeah. See, I'm way off my yeah. where I should be. I should be <laughs> talking about it. But I think that's a great thing to see is they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Is they're comfortable sitting in the back of the lounge discussing things amongst themselves. You know, we've given them a space they can do that. And then, like I said, at the same time, you may have three or four bankers come in and hash out a multi-million dollar deal. I've seen that also. That's pretty uh, sweet. So you got both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Can you tell my listeners what the most expensive deal you've heard? You don't have to say who, but just hearing what the most expensive deal is. <laughs> um, I've heard some discussions over large commercial real estate. Yeah. Know? Yeah, ten, tens of millions of dollars. Holy crap. Yeah. That's crazy. But I decided not to purchase it. And no, no, yeah. No, no. Good enough going on. Yeah, especially yeah. the market right now. <laughs> That's know. right. That's right. Yeah, it's crazy. So I actually have a question for you guys. And I feel like a lot of kids are getting into this crossroads now, especially there's this small uproar of um, the trade industry slightly coming back, especially with people like Mike Rowe um, really putting a push on it and telling kids they don't have to go to college. So as business owners and very experienced just people in life, what do you think the value of a college degree is in, in modern day? And do you think it's necessary to be successful? I know that's a pretty loaded question, but uh, 
No, I think it's uh, it's I think it's a great question because both Greg and I have kids. Um, we were kids. <laughs> we both have college degrees. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we both went to college. Um, I went to graduate school. Um, but really education, you know, any education you get, you want to take it. But really it teaches you how to think and how to process things. Um, but I don't think it's necessary at all. Um, you know, if you have your passion and your understanding um, to be able to do something, um, I, I don't think it's necessarily needed per se yeah it's a, that's an interesting question i think i'm i'm gonna put a little different spin on it um i don't think it's necessary to be successful um i think it's important to grow okay i think education to this next generation will just be part of growth um you know going to college right out of high school i think is will be important for their maturity or going to a trade school right out of high school uh, would be important for their maturity. I don't think, you know, obviously things change from my generation to the next generation or the generation before me. Everything's, you know, different. Um, so I don't think the exposure uh, for this next generation, the exposure to maybe some life lessons, maybe that's not there yet. Whereas, you know, for me, it was. So going to college, I think it's an important thing for this next generation just to continue to grow. Yeah. Not <laughs> necessarily to get an education to go on to get the six-figure six job, but just growth, life growth, just becoming a, a good human being. Yeah. Um, you know, being more articulate, being able to interact with other adults, you yeah. know, that, that kind of thing. Um, because, you know, obviously the face-to-face the -face communication has gone way, way, way down. Yeah. So whether it's at a trade school or, or a regular university or college, uh, I think it's important for the next generation, without a doubt. But not for the same reasons it was important to our generation. Whereas if you wanted a certain job that paid, you know, back in our day, you know, it was, ooh, if you made above $50,000, yeah, that's big money. Hey there, sorry to interrupt the episode, but I just want to take this chance to tell you to share the podcast on your social media platforms. Link it on your Instagram story, follow Knowledge is Power underscore Rhode Island on Instagram, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on that platform. So thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yep. You know what I mean? But you couldn't get that job unless you went to college. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's different now. Yeah, that's a very interesting take. Um uh, I had a guest, my first guest actually, said that um, sometimes it's not about what you learn in college, it's who you meet. And, and, sure. the, and the things sure. that you learn from those people and yep. the experiences that you gain from just making lifelong friends is probably the only reason why some people do go to college. Um, unfortunately and fortunately, you know, sure. depends on, you know, how they take that experience. So, so <clears throat> I have a, a soon-to-be college-aged kid. He's going to be a senior in high school. And one of the interesting things for me lately has been dealing with his college counselor at school. And he has, my son has no idea where he wants to go to school or no idea what he wants to study. And for me, that was very concerning. And his college counselor told me, that's not concerning at all. 90% of the kids she deals with do not know what they want to study mm -hmm. 
they know geographic locations where they want to go mm. that's all that their choices are based on now um i'd say when we were growing up it was flip-flopped it was 90 yep. percent of us knew coming out of high school what we wanted to study in college um and 10 percent didn't now she's saying it's the exact opposite it's only 10 percent know coming out of college yeah i mean coming out of high school yeah and the other 90 completely yep. undecided completely yeah. undecided she said it's perfectly normal today um which was interesting to me it created a little panic but yeah they know what they've watched on youtube you know they they see something on youtube they like you know a video they've watched mm -hmm. um, because that's their experience today um and they know that they want to go look at that area or that school because this video made them laugh and that was funny and that's at such and such a school yeah i want to go look there yeah very different uh, the way they're making decisions today compared to when we made decisions. Yeah. yeah. I was very fortunate. I knew I wanted to go for engineering. Yep. All my friends knew they wanted to go for engineering. If it wasn't engineering, it was chemistry or physics yeah. or something like that. Um, but I, w I will say, well, I went I went to Jericho, and we had a the career and technical program. And a lot of the kids in that, obviously, they go there because they know what they want to do or they are trying to find out what they want to do. But... It's kind of funny because some kids in the other classes, like I was in the engineering course, and they had uh, culinary, they had uh, hairdressers, sure, they had electrical, they had all these different things. It's almost like some of the kids kind of got burnt out by it, yeah, before yeah. they even got to college. Which, yeah. which in in a way, I think is part of the the, the program. I mean, yeah. I think they they want to do that on purpose mm -hmm. to see um, whether or not someone's really interested in that trade or not. Yeah. Um, sort of smart in a way, you know, yeah. instead of putting somebody out there in the world and all of a sudden, hey, you're out of high school and now you got to go get a job or now you're going to go to a trade school mm -hmm. um, and you're six months into trade school and you realize, oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. Much easier to learn, oh, this isn't for me while you're in high school than yeah. it is, you know, somebody shelled out $40,000 for the first year of school. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it and, and the price of college is absolutely insane now. Sure is. And it's, I actually really want to go to the University of New Haven. I liked that school. I got accepted within, they called me within two weeks, which was crazy because I didn't hear back from URI for like four months, maybe even longer than that. And um, the only thing is, is. Out of I, state, in state. Yeah. I got the, you know, how much it was going to cost. I'm like, this is insane. Even if I got a job for engineering, it would have been $32,000 a year. You're not counting the interest in the back, you know, when you count the loans. A lot sure. of people forget about that. They're like, oh, 32 grand times two, 64, yeah. 128 grand. They're not thinking about the other 30 grand in interest you're going to pay. Right. And it's insane. Or not, or not pay. Or not pay, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the trend. Yeah. It's just don't pay the student loans. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to say that, but. And I have, uh, I can't say too much and who it is because people would figure it out. But I know somebody that's a doctor mm. who has figured out that it's cheaper for him just to pay the interest on the loans for the course of his life and never pay back any of the principal. Wow. And so, you know, he'll just pay the interest on those loans for his whole life. Yeah. And never pay the principal. Wow. And that's cheaper than trying to pay back the loan. That's crazy. So there's a big problem with that system yeah. currently, yeah. as we all know. Yeah. If you kind of look at it like your your whole life when you're 
get, we're getting old, Greg. You're, but, you're getting old. Tommy. But when you look back, you're like, I'm like, college was such a little blip in your life. It was such a small period of time that when you maybe get to a certain age, like people don't really care where you went to school. Like I would hire you, Max, because you're a sharp kid. You're smart. I don't care where you went to school. You know what I mean? Is this somebody I could work with? Is this somebody who's going to help my business? Um, and that's, that's kind of where a lot of people see it. Um, yeah, I think there's certain industries where it still does matter a lot, but I think you're absolutely right that it's trending towards, I want to see you. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you face to face. Yeah. I don't care if it says, you know, Princeton or Yale or Brown or Columbia. It doesn't, that doesn't matter as much as who you are. Yeah. Um, what's your personality? What type that's our industry. Um, you know, if, if my industry is accounting, I might not be thinking that same thing. Yeah. You know, so I think there is some industries where it still really matters, but I think Tommy's absolutely right. Um, doesn't matter as much anymore. And obviously, you know, a bachelor's degree today is pretty much an extension of high school, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, depends on, I mean, it depends on what degree you get. Sure. You know, like, listen, I'm not down, I'm not downplaying, you know, that, but in today today as in you know my son coming up and we'll be going to college next year yeah it's you know you either you get out of high school it's well you almost you didn't finish anything yet because now the percentage of people with you know degrees is so much higher than what it was in our generation it's almost devalued yeah absolutely you know and especially with with getting free associates degrees now it's like so many people have them it's just four thousand dollars in the bucket Really, I mean, because if you get a associate's business, you might as well have not done anything for the past two years. Right. You know, it's yeah. it's useless. It's, it's an extension of high school. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's but it's, it's an important thing. I, like I said yeah. before, I think the growth of the young people today wasn't the same as when we grew up, or even the same as our parents and yeah. so on and so forth. And um, so I think they need that extension. They need the more maturity and they need to keep it going a little bit longer before they can get out there in the world. Cause also they're also competing, you know, when we grew up, man, we sound really old we talking like this, but <laughs> when we grew up and you know, at 24 years old, you know, you, you, you are a, a college graduate and you have a degree, you were the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. You were above all those other applicants because there wasn't a lot of people doing it. Yeah. So you you just set yourself apart from all those other applicants. Yeah. Today, please. I mean, you know, you got your bachelor's degree, but you're complete. You know, you're competing with a thirty-year-old man or a woman that has a master's or some other, you know, continued education. Yeah. That is also competing for that same position. Yeah. Um, so you, yep. you you you're not cream of the crop with your bachelor's degree. You're at the bottom of the the rung. Yeah. With the other thousand applicants that have that exact same degree yeah so, very well, different world uh, my my engineering teacher said that um back when he was uh working for architect firms before he started teaching he um you know found that you know there were architects back when he was graduated college that didn't have a college degree they just Self-taught. off off of experience sure and there would be people that would apply for jobs that had 20 plus years of experience, but the kid out of college with the bachelor's degree would get hired before that guy. Sure. Yep. Which I find insane. It's but insane, but it comes down to 
that's where we're at in today's yeah. world. It's the credibility of your company. Yeah. What makes you more credible? Yeah. You know, to Tommy uh, is a certified tobacconist. Anyone that knows Tommy knows that that means zero in really the, the his his knowledge. It, it's just it's something you have to do mm -hmm. in this world if you want to be somewhat credible. Someone should be a certified yeah. tobacconist. That yeah. They, some, you can say, hey, this person really knows what they're talking about with yeah. tobacco. It's a very difficult distinction to get. But Tommy was a certified tobacconist without having that distinction yeah. for most of his life. Yep. But, again, you have to have the credibility. You have to be able to put it on your website. You have yeah. to be able to show people, hey, look, we have a certified tobacconist. That's, that's huge in my industry. You know, you have the industrial people who have all the certifications right. so that they can work with companies like – uh, like Boeing and Lockheed Martin and Titleist and Apple, not not necessarily because they make better parts, but just because they have the bigger printer that looks cooler and they're ITAR certified, you know, and they're gold partners and they're all these fancy stuff, which genuinely means nothing. They just right. paid for it. Correct. And I think yeah. it will come full circle. Yeah. I yeah. think eventually that, that trend will end and it will be who's the most relevant, who's the best qualified. I want that person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and it's, it's kind of funny just because you go to college doesn't mean you're smarter too, because I've seen some people with PhDs <clears throat> say some stupid stuff. <laughs> I think we all have. So, yeah, all have. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, I mean, oh, so my, the last question always asked before I end a podcast is if you could leave my listeners with one piece of advice. Now, when I'm out of the age, just the best piece of advice you could give them, what would it be? You know, you both can chime in on yeah. this. Don't steal, don't steal my I answer. Won't steal, I won't steal your thunder. I think just in general in anything that you do is don't think you made it. Like, don't think, oh, my gosh, we we got this. We got two businesses now. We got our own cigar. We're, we've made it. We're, we're there. We're done. Um thing is is you need to keep always going you know never never rest because that's you got to keep up with everything mm -hmm. so i think is like always just keep going always look try new things look at new things don't be afraid to fail and then just keep keep moving with everything you're doing yeah it's great uh i think mine would be that just don't you know it's going to sound a little bit like tommy's to start but it's it's different it's don't give up like before you even start there was times where I thought about just quitting, looking for a location. We looked for a location. I must have looked at, I, I'd say somewhere between two to 300 commercial locations. Wow. Before we found our first one in Westlake. Over the course of like a two to three year period. Over the course of that two to three year period, there was many times when I thought, you know what? I don't know if this is worth it. You know, and I could go do other things. I could get back into the law enforcement industry if I want. I could. There was other things I could have done. But this is really what I wanted to do. So, if you give up, you won't be doing that. Yeah. It, and it's very easy. Giving up is easy. Mm -hmm. Keep it. Keep trying is what's difficult. Yeah. So you know, over the two to three year period, you know, having to get out there every week, driving around, looking to see did a for rent sign come up somewhere. You know where what locations would work, what locations won't work, trying to identify what regions we wanted to be in, what streets would work for us to be on, and that kind of stuff. And then 
you know, making those phone calls and knocking on doors and so to speak. It would have been easy multiple times to just be throwing the towel. I'm all set. I, I you know, this isn't worth it. So just don't give up. Mm-hmm. It's drive. Just keep driving. If you want to do it, you'll do it as long as you don't give up. Yeah. That's yeah. some great advice. And I think with that point, that that continues. That doesn't stop when you open your business. Right. It's like, you know, when we were looking at a second location, like, oh, this wasn't easy to get. No. You know, it was another another roadblock, another thing. And there's there's going to be a lot more, you know, where, where you want to give up, you want to stop doing it, but don't. Yeah, it's almost like starting over again. When you find the second location, um, you, you're back to square one. It doesn't matter how established we were in Westerly and how successful we'd already become. Mm-hmm. It was right back to square one, and mm-hmm. it didn't matter that you're very successful somewhere else. It's right back to having to deal with the same thing. And Especially in Charlestown. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. it's the education. In our industry, Tommy hit on this earlier, it's about educating not only the public on what we are and what we do, but the politician, so to speak, you know, the town itself. Why can we do what we can do? Why we can do it where we want to do it? That's the part. And, and it's not that some towns aren't receptive. Some let's, let's be honest. Some towns aren't receptive, mm-hmm. but there's some towns they just don't know. Yeah. They just don't know. So yeah. you have to spend the time educating them why we can do what we say we want to do and why Mm -hmm. it will be successful. Why is it a good fit for this town? And like I said, some towns are receptive to that once you've explained it. Yeah. But you know, if you come in with any new business that no one's ever heard of, there's going to be some people that want to want to know what it's about. They can't just rubber stamp it. Yep. Looks good. Boom. Here we go. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking your time out of your day and, doing this podcast with me it's been great to meet both of you um great to finally meet you guys you know it's my you know my dad comes here all the time and he absolutely loves it i know he he, in person too he can't say more good things about you guys so thank you yeah but uh he's he's probably just looking for a discount on yeah that's right yeah Yeah, probably (laughs) (laughs) but well alrighty, guys thank you so much for coming on thank you and uh thanks for listening guys and uh, make sure to check out other episodes. And if you have any questions or have any questions you want me to ask future guests, email me at knowledgeispowerri@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks, and I'll catch you in the next one.